So San Diego, huh? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Sorry to everyone who was looking forward to a podcast last week. Uh, hopefully, Tony updated the Twitter and said, "Hey, we're not going to be here because I was definitely out of town." Nope, this was a team effort. You were supposed to update the Twitter. And I, I told you this telepathically. I don't have the login. <laughs> Gosh darn it. I thought I gave it to you. Nope. Okay, password is password123. Ah, same as my luggage. <laughs> no, well, listen, uh, Mel Brooks, did you, did you enjoy your time? Was it, yes. is it? This isn't your first time to San Diego, right? Uh, I'm going to say it is. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you've been close been, with Anaheim and, and yeah. Vegas, not Vegas, but uh, L.A. L.A. Yeah, I've been I've been nearby, but I actually haven't been in the proper San Diego area. Got to mm-hmm. say, it's pretty. It's still mm-hmm. still very reminiscent of L.A. Not as dirty, definitely not as dirty, but still like you can tell it's in the state same state for sure. <laughs> well, it is. It's in California. Yeah, no, it was it was fun. Got to go to the San Diego Zoo, which oh my goodness, that place is huge. Did you take <laughs> the uh, the Sky Train or whatever yes. they call it? Yes, the little like ski lift kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it so? It was you, your wife, and and your and cousins? Some family? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we uh, when we went. Oh my gosh, it was. Many many years ago, when when we uh, when we went there, but uh, we had a cousin who had broken her leg. Actually, she wasn't a cousin; she was a close family friend. Uh, but she had broken her leg, so we got to the front of a lot of lines because of that, which was kind of nice. But what lines? There's like not much lineage there. Well, the the big lineage at the time was looking at these pandas. These pandas. oh. <laughs> You know, there the line was still going on for that that panda bear uh, exhibit. The line yes. was huge, yeah. And they have a sky bridge right over the panda bear exhibit. Oh, and so we just went on the sky bridge and looked down. <laughs> that works. Yeah, no, that place. I, you know, I thought it was big. Like I was looking at the map, I was like, okay, it's big. We got there, and it is like a city. Like it is. I, I don't know how they fit that in a city already like it is a city of its own it is so big yeah seriously uh, the san diego zoo is is no joke whatsoever but um uh how do you feel about zoos in general you know i i appreciate zoos like the san diego zoo where they're trying to do good things like they have information placards on all the animals that not only obviously tell about the animal which all zoos have or at least I hope all zoos have, but also they talk about like how endangered the animal is mm-hmm. and they're trying, they, they try to assist with that. So it's like, okay, yeah, there's a lioness in a cage and she looks very bored, but at the same time you're extremely endangered because the placard says so. And, uh, they, they're trying to help, you know, make more of that animal. I think the idea of conservation and procreation for some of the animals being out in the wild can be a lot harder, especially if they're endangered um, due to poaching or just lack of resources that the animals are naturally born to, you know, 
you know, eat and stuff like that. I think the problem that I have with zoos is that as much as the placards are there for you and me to read, I mean, I don't remember 90% of what I read, even about like things like the bald eagle, which, you know, I love. And my favorite animals are penguins. And every zoo that I, ha- that I go to, I have to see the penguin exhibit. And I can tell you, other than what I can find on Wikipedia, I don't really remember too many facts about the penguins at the zoo. Well, it's and the same as, like, sales, right? It's like a retention rate. Like, it's it's just how much people absorb. And some people are going to absorb more than others. Like, some people are going to be paying rapt attention to these placards. And some people are going to read them and move on. And that's okay, no, that's but true. the thing is the thing is to create awareness and to make people aware that, hey, these animals are, you know, endangered or are threatened and here's why. And so, you know, maybe it just puts it in the back of your head. Maybe you see that thing for the panda and you think, oh, yeah, and you just move on with your life. And then 10 years down the road when you're 22, all of a sudden you're like your buddies are like, hey, let's go poaching for uh pandas and something like pings in your head from way back when and says weren't they endangered or something and you go look online and lo and behold they're super endangered and you're like oh bad idea like like that 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 i think is like if they can accomplish even just that that's a huge accomplishment i think if you have anybody that either now or in the future says the words let's go poaching for any animal is no, long, <laughs> no longer your buddy um, but to, 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 to continue with that hypothetical, I agree with you that it is planting seeds um, in your mind. So maybe when the time comes where you do have the financial capability or time of ability to, to de- devote or dedicate some of your life and livelihood to helping some of these animals or at least spreading the good word about these animals, that's, that's great. I think my one of my biggest concerns is that, you know, when you go to the zoo, it's like, yeah, let's go check out the lion. Wait, the lion's inside. Come outside. Okay, never mind. Let's go move on. Let's go check out the polar bear. What do you mean the polar bear is not here? Like the, every zoo I've been to, even the San Diego <laughs> one, to a certain degree, some of the mainstay critters of this big blue marble are nowhere to be seen. And it's it's like, well, you should have been here yesterday because today we're cleaning out its cage. But, well, <laughs> can't you do that at night? Or I don't know how, how zookeeping works, but I feel like if I'm paying to see a bunch of animals, I should include elk, zebras, and the elephants. And it doesn't today. <laughs> you know, it like they have to do maintenance and... It, that's that's statistics right there telling you that you're going to have animals like that because you think about okay there's 300 different animals which I think is lowballing it honestly there's 300 different animals what are the odds that at least 25% of them need uh, just routine maintenance not even like extreme maintenance but just basics yeah that 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 statistic is I, w- I would say would be pretty high. No, I agree with you. I, I, I think I'm less concerned about them doing maintenance on the wrong time of day and more concerned about me uh, being a little uh, frustrated that uh, 
I, I'm being a whiny baby and not being able to see the animals that I want to see. <laughs> so that's a personal thing that I got to go through. But no, I, I, I'm like on the fence, you know, like I, I'm, I'm the same way with, with animals and circuses. Cause I've seen how there are some animal wranglers that are just amazing to the animals and the animals do show love back to them. You know, you've seen those videos where the, the tiger is, it looks like it's about to maul the human, mm-hmm. but then it just hugs them and then you start crying and then everyone else starts crying. <laughs> I love those videos because it does show like these animals can create a connection with us, whether it's natural or, or unnatural. But then you see the, the terrible side of human nature and like, you know, the, the, the way that some of these circuses get monkeys to stand on their hind legs like they're humans they force them by basically hanging them um, from their neck uh, inches from the ground. So they force themselves to stand up. It's terrible. But then you go see it. Um, you see the performance and you're like, oh, that's so cute. Monkey thinks he's human. But, you know, so I, I, I'm like on the fence. If there was a way to have a zoological research um, in captivity that that is kind of similar to like a wild safari, like, you know, where, where they can kind of roam free. I realized from a logistical standpoint and just from a sheer uh, real estate standpoint, that's, that's obviously not possible. Like that would, you already said, the San Diego Zoo is as big as a city within a city. And if they were to do something like that within Southern California, uh, it would it would have to be like a pretty large like vast savanna but also encompassing a bunch of different weather condition like it would it would be insane of of an mm-hmm. upta- uh, uptaking um but that would be my utopian of this is how to treat animals this is how we can we can uh you know watch them res- responsibly in an environment that they would normally be in when it comes to um, you know the wild, but also we get to see them throw poop at each other because that's always fun. <laughs> yeah, I I think they're at least from what I've seen anyway. The San Diego Zoo is at least doing as much as they can within the parameters that they have. Do you have any zoo horror stories? Not horror stories necessarily, but any zoo stories. Of uh, the recent past or yonder past that was very memorable to you? No. <laughs> I went with my family when I was a kid. That, that's about the extent of it. I got kicked by a billy goat. What? Like, that sounds ex- incredibly painful. So, in the San Francisco Zoo, there's also a smaller zoo for the kids. And it's essentially a petting zoo. And there's sheep. There's... Uh, goats and, and little cows? lambs there's no cows to pet but you can see a cow and then there is a volunteer that kind of explains um the wholesome use of what you can do with a cow with the, you know milking a cow how to milk a cow i think if you pay a little extra you can even milk the cow and the money that you pay goes toward, you know, the upkeep of the petting zoo. So it's kind of a nice cyclical kind of thing. Um, but yeah, as I had mentioned, one of the animals are little goats or little billy goats. And they're so cute. They have little little beards and they look like they look like like tiny little babies with beards. 
and they make the little noises and you think, oh, he's so cute. And if you're not paying attention and you don't feed them food, that's the other thing. They know humans are there to give them food as well as pat them on the back. If you don't feed them food, you will be kicked. And I was kicked pretty hard. Jeez. <laughs> I fell to the floor. Did you get the wind knocked out of you? Uh, ever so slightly. It was more of shock and awe versus uh, call 911. I was like, whoa, I was not expecting that amount of power coming from this thing that is a third of my size, you know? So I was, I was definitely, I was, I was more impressed with his ability to knock me down and less concerned that what if he does this to somebody else or what if I really did get hurt? But, uh, yeah, he knocked me on my side. He, uh, he got my, my thigh and my left leg, and there was, there was a bruise on there for a good, like, day, maybe day and a half. He says bruise, but it probably was, like, deep purple, like, couldn't sit status. <laughs> luckily, luckily, it wasn't that bad. So I was reading online, and uh, there's a question that I came across that I thought was very interesting, and it could say a lot about you and me. So what song would you have playing at your funeral see you later alligator after a while crocodile (laughs) Tony laugh with me (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna try to hold in the laugh and you be the only one (laughs) Like, oh, only I think this is funny. No, that's very apropos, but it also plays exactly to the kind of person that you are, that you you, you try to look at the positive <laughs> as much as you can. Oh, I've always told people when I, like, if I ended up dead at any point, whether natural causes or whatever, like, tell tell your tell your work that you, you're grieving heavily and that you got to take a lot of time off. Like, play some games for me. Go there go out go. to eat or something. Like don't don't dwell on me, but like use it to your advantage. Like take some time off work, relax, spend some time with family or something. I've had very similar uh, outlook of that you know of, of that particular incident, if and when that happens. More of when, less of if, <laughs> and and. Uh, and I, I and I even I even did a, a a post. I think it was about a year year and a half ago. I, I I did a little. I wouldn't call it a video will, but it was more of hey when I do go. First off, don't throw me a funeral in a church, and that's a different discussion. But second off, don't be sad. Go celebrate. Go do something fun. Go laser tag. Go bowling. Go in exactly what you said. Just go be with your family and, and, and cherish the moments that you do have. And if that means that you don't go to work for a week, don't go to work for a week. That's why we have bereavement, right? <laughs> exactly. But in all seriousness, uh, my answer would probably be All My Lovin' by the Beatles. Love that song. Love that song. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good song, but why why that song in particular of all the Google beat or wow, Google. <laughs> of all the Beatle mania that's out there, why why all my loving? Uh 
my wife and I really like that song and yeah no mainly that just that I she likes the song I like the song uh she has like a necklace that has like a, a lyric from the song and so yeah it'd probably be that one close your eyes and okay. okay I'm not gonna sing sorry it is a very very good song yeah what about you for me, it would have to be uh, Numb. Numb by Linkin Park. Now, the problem with saying that now in 2018 is that if anybody remembers when Linkin Park had the, the benefit concert for Chester Bennington, that was the mainstay song where they played the song and the audience sang along, but obviously Chester wasn't there to sing. And uh, the only thing that they had lit up on stage was a spotlight shown directly on an empty microphone stand. And it was the most, I don't know if you remember this uh, part of the concert, because they, they did put it on YouTube and whatnot. Never but it was seen it. Probably for, uh, go look at it. If you're a fan of Lincoln Park or, or whatever, if you just want to cry a little bit, uh, <laughs> go, go watch this. Just type in live concert for Chester, numb. No, I get what you're and, saying though. They they had the uh the the all the other music playing except for right. the main vocals and right. uh, the crowd sang sang the main vocals. Yeah, and let me tell you, uh it, it's it's one thing to hear it that way cuz it's like a minus one track so you can sing along to it at at karaoke, but then another thing to like see the other musicians play it without their front man and to see like how they're smiling, but they're also, you know, very hurt by what had happened and the audience that was, was there and they're trying to sing along in the middle of like bawling their eyes out. Like it, it's very impactful um, just from a, a humanity standpoint. And, mm-hmm. and also, and also I, I just love the song. I will say, I will say this. I think people think I am mooching off of that to claim it as, hey, I would like that to be played at my funeral. But that song in particular, I have loved for dreary days and I've loved for wonderful days. And I feel like the song embodies both, for me, uh, happy and sad kind of emotions. And that's why um, ever since it came out, uh, I've said I've thought that that would be a really good song to kind of that would be a really good song to kind of end end a note on i like it well good (laughs) i'm glad somebody does who doesn't because we're gonna play it tomorrow oh no that's that's very it's very dark okay moving on (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah i went there apparently so you said you were vlogging again, and I know uh-huh. you stopped for a while. What brought you back to vlogging? To kind of do something. So, you know, without getting too much into it, there's there's a bunch of changes going on right now, currently. And I feel like if I'm just, you know, when I come home and after I do all my work and play with the kids and whatnot... And, and, you know, be the family man. After that, if I don't have anything else that I can do, 
I am just going to curl up in a ball and just have self-pity for myself. So instead of doing that, I feel like if if I can not get back into daily vlogging, but at least maybe, I don't know, like a weekly vlog or something, something that would would hold these memories in uh, of of a week to week basis or week by week uh, every every other week or even event by event to hold those memories in such a way that I can remember the good and the bad um vlogging would be the the best way to do that so once once I decided to to go back and do that um I I tried, I don't know if you saw this, but I tried vlogging my own music video. I did not see uh, that. Yeah, so uh, that song called uh, a, a Perfect World by Simple Plan, I tried to make my own music video for that. And I got to tell you, man, as much as I know those words, and I can even hear it in my head right now, I don't know those words. So it was very difficult for me to to do the music video, even with the lyric sheet taped to my hand as I'm holding the camera. <laughs> taped to your hand. I love it. I'm trying to do different kinds of creative things. So I'm doing the I'm doing so I'm doing the vlogging, which is my you know, it's not even my, my main thing anymore. But the vape channel, the tech channel, they're they're going real real well right now. Mm-hmm. And now Astrea has her own channel, so I'm building that up as well too. So the life of a YouTuber never never stops, but it can get stagnant. So that's why I need to try different things. I got you. Now you're also creative, other than being amazing at three headshots in a row, sometimes with crossbows and PUBG. Did you, have you ever thought of like you know selling some of your photographs online, or at least having a photography Instagram to show off the beautiful wilderness of the great state of Utah? You know, it'd be fun. Uh, I mainly just do photography as a hobby, and then if somebody needs like good photography work, I'm happy to help. Uh, but I'm never. I don't know. I I do not know. I I. I wouldn't mind selling the photos. That's for sure. And I, and I can't, I'm not going to look money in the mouth. Like <laughs> someone wants to buy my photos, go for it. But yeah, I just never have had anyone pique their interest, I guess. I if guess I you... need to post to Instagram more. <laughs> I think I've got a grand total of three posts spanning across five years. <laughs> Yeah, and I I guess that would be the other thing, like getting you to be more of a social media butterfly would be the first step. And that's something that, you know, only you can really make that decision if you wanted to venture out of your your comfort zone and I don't know, kind of be fake a little bit just to get people to, you know, to click that little heart button. Now fake it till you make it, I guess. But yeah, if if you ever wanted to uh, to get into uh, like product photography or landscape photography, there is a bunch of different free tools that I I can even suggest to you that would you know at least get you pointed into the right direction mm-hmm. and maybe some inspiration as well too. Because that's the one thing for me. Like 
I I need to be inspired sometimes and talking to friends and family about it it's great but I need sometimes I need a third party and inspiration and that's that's why I watch I, I try to watch different different vlogs and different tutorial videos about things that I would have never shown any interest before and now I know a little bit more about kitty litter and cats or whatever <laughs> about kitty litter I love it no, don't get me wrong. I do love taking photos. I just like I need, I need more equipment. Honestly, that's the thing. Is it's not about like programs or anything. It's about I've got two lenses, one of them being the stock lens, and it's an APS-C camera. Which don't get me wrong, APS-C camera still a really good camera, but it's mm-hmm. it it's nothing compared to an actual full frame. So I agree with you, but I also disagree with you. I think um, the stopgap for a lot of people who want to take up a hobby is the financial situation and watching all these other more quote-unquote professional people go out there with 12 lenses. They've got LED lights. They've got you know, light meter, and they've got cargo shorts on. And you, they just, they're just oozing experience and you're like well i can't live up to that come on i, I you know I, oh no I don't get me have... wrong i don't want like seven lenses i want like one more <laughs> we're not talking about like i don't have professional equipment i just i want money to buy a lens <laughs> well i i think what i'm getting at is more of if you the photos that you've taken that you've shown me from from your hikes and stuff like that I don't know if you've done any kind of color correction in them or anything, but as a raw photograph, they look pretty nice. You have a good uh, sense of depth of field. You have um, really good framing on on some of those waterfalls. But uh, in the software, if you download some of the free like color correction software and plugins, you might start to see your photographs pop more than you ever thought they could look. And you might not need that new lens just yet. Um, The other alternative, obviously, which I don't know how you feel about it, is buy them used. I'm not really one to buy things used, especially uh, expensive camera equipment, because I'm always weary that there's something wrong with it. And by the time that I figure out what's wrong with it, I can't return it. Mm-hmm. Which um, I agree with. But ball, ball is on a budget. Got to, got to, you know, got to play the way that that we can play. And sometimes going used, even through like some official channels like Amazon or, or eBay, um, that you have a little bit more protection from the company that is providing the seller's platform Mm -hmm. uh if something does happen you could always go back to them but uh it's something to think about yeah no it's uh it's just an ease easeability uh easeability thing with the the lens it's not about like oh i'm not gonna be able to get this shot like i can still get the shot i just have to do it at a different angle like i I have a 50 millimeter lens and with an APS-C uh, sensor, it turns into a sniper scope (laughs) Mm. and I don't want a sniper scope. I want one that will take good photos at a closer range. And so sometimes when I want to get good photos, I stand really far away from the thing I'm taking a photo of (laughs) 
and like some people give me weird looks of like you are how are you getting a good photo i'm like no no you don't understand it's gonna look good it's just i have to stand really really far away sorry <laughs> like not, not much else i could do about it <laughs> You know, I I was I was definitely the same way when I first started out doing photography. Um, less of uh, photographing people, but more of photographing like items and products. And there was one time where I wanted to do an over the head shot. You know, uh, like you see in a lot of YouTube videos and whatnot. But the only way that I could get the the lens to be in focus and have that over the head shot was to essentially not only stand on the table, but stand on a chair that stood on the table Jeez. on top of the table. Oh my goodness. So it was kinda like <laughs> yeah, it was kinda like an Eiffel Tower of 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 death for me. Uh, but I was able to get the shot that I wanted, but I could I could definitely tell like if, if someone were to walk into the room and see what I was doing, it would have it looked like a death trap. Because I was also having to lean over so the legs of the chair weren't in my shot. So I was having to overcome some of that. And I realize now in post, I probably could have etched those legs out or something. But, you know, at, at the beginning stages of, of learning how to do the photography of, of, the, of that caliber, if you will, um, I didn't have the lenses mm-hmm. or I didn't have the software even. And uh, anytime I asked my friends for, you know, inexpensive software uh, suggestions, inexpensive to them was like $300. So, I'm like, okay. <laughs> this is cheap. You're like, no, it's not. <laughs> you guys suck. <laughs> They're like, well, the professional version is $1,000. Like, okay. but I don't need either of those things. I need, I I need, yeah. I need between the bottom t- version and free. $10. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you do pursue it, man. Because um, I... I, I got to tell you, I, I love playing video games with you, uh, and I and I love having other creative outlets, um, and I love seeing the shots that you do, and I would it would be great if you had the ability to uh, to pursue that that passion and, and to pursue that that hobby. So no, it's like beating a dead horse. But can we talk about PUBG for a second? <laughs> Uh, can we talk about like I I don't understand directionality. <laughs> when you tell me to look behind me, I I only look slightly to the left instead of a full one eighty. But go on, what were you saying? <laughs> um, right now in like the state that PUBG's in, it is running really really well. Like it, for a while there, it was crashing a whole bunch. It was having all these different issues, and right now it is just like silky smooth just amazingness and like i'm coming to realize more and more that like people are terrible (laughs) because like these people that play the game and like you know talk on forums and stuff if the game doesn't work even at it at a slightest level they're just like oh down with the game the developers don't know what they're doing they should just sell the game they should what are they doing Ah," they just go on and on and on and on and on and as mm-hmm. soon as the game's working, oh, these guys are awesome. I'm so happy that they're really focused and blah, blah, blah. Like, they just, they switch their tone so quick. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you, you understand what it takes, like, you don't understand what it takes to make a game. You don't understand, like, what kind of place they're, like, unique place that they're in. And you act like you know what you're talking about. And it, it just, it, it it's bugging me. I feel like, like the 
like the people that are the most critical about certain aspects of of software are are at at the heart of it the biggest fans and that is from their standpoint why they're so critical cuz they want it to work they like for example the people that hate windows 10 actually do like it a lot like when you actually drill down to the individual that is complaining on a Reddit form about a new update to Windows 10. It's like, oh my god, they broke this, blah, 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 blah. Like, I can't believe they have no idea. Redman is a bunch of doofuses and they have no idea what they're doing. And you actually talk with that individual. It's more of frustration and less of, I hate the company and what they're doing. It's like, it's, it's more of, I really admire what these guys have done in the past and I want them to put their best foot forward and just get it done. And that's where I see your argument happening with PUBG, where these guys are like, this is the ultimate Valhalla of Battle Royale style video games. I am not touching Realm Royale. I'm not touching Fortnite. This is the game that I want to work because I want this I want this game to be the mainstay of Battle Royale. It was arguably the first successful Battle Royale video game in the world. And now a crappy little game from Epic is eating its lunch. You guys need to get off your butts and get this going. And when it finally gets going, frame rate starts to go up. Suspension on the uh, buggies works properly now for us. Uh, The loading for... Things like trees, rocks, and buildings are a lot quicker, even on the original Xboxes. It's great to see that. Now, I'll say, if any one game was going to be a uh, own like you know only for Xbox One X game, it'd definitely be PUBG. Because <laughs> I see, I see horror stories still with that uh, the original Xbox of buildings loading and really slow. And yeah, they've worked on it a lot, and it is running so much better. But Goodness, I do not envy them. <laughs> the thing is, people forget that this is a game preview. Like it's still a beta, essentially. Yeah. And yeah. and and no matter no matter what I say, it it doesn't matter. Like I I could put it on a free T-shirt saying, "Hey, you are now playing a an open beta of a game that arguably costs millions of dollars to make, but it only costs you thirty bucks." Don't complain about this game. It's not worth your time. They're working on it. People are still going to complain. Yeah. Because they, they feel the need to. Like, they feel like the 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 uh, opinions that they have are unique and to their own. And, and that the opinion that they put on Reddit or wherever is going to be seen by uh, uh, Corin or, uh, or, or uh, player, uh, PUBG uh, Corporation. Blue Hole. Blue Hole. Those guys. <laughs> well, who's the company that made uh, that that did help with the port for um was that was that Corrent? No, I the uh, Xbox the oh, what is it? Advanced Technology Group. Hmm. Okay. I guess this is a difference between constructive criticism versus just criticism. Because if they're if it's constructive criticism and they're saying, hey, you know, this is broken, that is not working, but uh, you know here's here's what we're what i'm finding is it's not working because i'm equipping this and doing that 
I'm fine with that. I'm fine with people giving good information. It's just when people are like, this game sucks. And that's the end of their comment. And it's just like, you haven't told us anything. You haven't helped anyone. And I know well, I know you can't do anything about people like that. I know. It's just more just me ranting because I'm just over it. <laughs> I think most, yeah, I mean, when, when, it, when it comes to the development of anything, whether it's a game or an app or um, an operating system, like uh, when, when iOS uh, upgrades their operating system, uh, iOS 12 or Google has their new uh, Android P come out, um, for the most part, the people that I say that are the most critical are also, like, like I said, they're the most critical, but they're also the hugest fans because they know the caliber of these big companies can get stuff done. And especially some of those that actually do like written reviews and, or, or video reviews, you know, they have good comparison where they'll say something like, yes, this is broken right now, but if you remember... Three years ago, this was broken, and then it took Google three months to fix it, and now it's no longer an issue. So so there is a precedent where something is broken, but Google will fix it. And same thing with Apple, same thing with Microsoft. Um, there needs to be something super visually different for a game like PUBG to be noticed of a change. Like the frame rate needs to go up to 60 they're there or 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 they have to natively support automatically support 4k on the xbox one x it, it's got to be something more than just here's a new map because with the new map comes new challenges but um it's got to be something that i that they can visually show here's you know side a of what you guys were playing last month and here's side b of what we're pushing out mm-hmm. tomorrow and it's like, wow, now I can see you guys are actually making huge strides. Because these little bits and pieces of upgrades, they're great for you and me because we can notice them. But, you know, some of these other people want to see some pretty big leaps. And that's another, that's another big thing is, like, people talking about these little tiny things like uh, aesthetic items coming to uh, Xbox. And, like, well, why are they wasting time making these aesthetic, aesthetic items? They need to be 100% focused on fixing the game. I, I just, if anybody's listening out there, they're, they, that's not how life works is people have different jobs. Not everyone is a programmer. Not everyone is a level editor. Not everyone is a designer. And some of these assets, a lot of these assets for, especially the ones that were on PC, they're already created. They're already done. They've been, they've been created. All they have to do is like flip a switch basically to get them over to Xbox and to make sure they don't and- break and they just move them. And it's not like when they update an asset or something that requires the whole team. It's maybe a team of two, if, maybe three. If, if, yeah. And the rest of the, the the gaming company can just focus on you know doing the other stuff that you want them to focus on. So, well, hopefully one day people will be more understanding. In the meantime, hopefully we will be back next Monday. Um, I have to check my schedule. I, I think that should work out. Um, but thanks a lot for listening, guys. Really appreciate your uh, your earballs and and your support. Uh, Fire. Where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, and Xbox at Firewall. 
Find me on Twitter, Lazy Tech Tony, and on Instagram and all the other YouTube links and whatnot that I talked about. You can find that in the description down below. You can follow both of us on Twitter at Still Recording. And if you're listening on the Anchor app, you can leave us a message. We can listen to it. And if it's good enough, we'll play it on the air. And we will hopefully talk to you guys in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.